Hi, I'm Pastor Torin Brooks, and welcome to Faith Christian Church. So glad you decided to join us today. For the next 30 minutes, we're going to be looking through God's Word and finding ways for it to apply to our lives today. I hope you enjoy this morning's sermon. Listen, the last thing the world needs is a hypocritical church. One that says they're thankful, but their attitude is completely different. You know, the Bible shares a story just like this in Luke, the 18th chapter, starting in verse number 9, and Jesus says, he, I have the perfect illustration to show you the difference between somebody who says they're thankful, but they're not thankful, and somebody who is extremely thankful for all they've been through. Here's what it says, Luke 18, starting in verse 9. Also, he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Verse 10. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his chest, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Can I tell you, this is an incredible story. Let me paint the picture for you just to remind you of what we're looking at here. The temple was a place for all of the people who believed in God to go and worship Him. It was a, a place where all would go. There were places of prayer for different people to go. And the place was supposed to be for all people. You remember, this was very important to Jesus because there was one time when Jesus went in. You remember this story? And He overturned the tables. And he said, my house should be called a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. A lot of times we don't realize what he did there, but what had happened is that the, the uh, people who were running the temple had set up booths to uh, sell animals and to sell things for sacrifice right in the place of prayer where the only place where the, Jew, where the Gentiles and the women could pray. And they had blocked up this passageway of prayer and Jesus went in and said, this is supposed to be a place for everybody to come and pray. But he sets up something that probably happened quite a bit. Sets up this scenario with two different men. And Jesus really knows how to pick them. He picks the extremes of extremes. The first, he picks the Pharisee. Now let me tell you something. Not all Pharisees were bad people. For the most part, a Pharisee was a person who had decided to live a holy and separated lifestyle. What this means is they were somebody who were so dedicated to living the Bible exactly the way it was written that they would set up for themselves road guards to keep them from even getting close to sinning. Here's an example. The Bible might say something like, uh, do, not, uh, do not walk this way uh, on the street during this time of the day. And so a Pharisee would say, well, if the Bible says that I can't walk down this street on the Sabbath day, then I'm going to make sure I'm not even in the same county on that day, so I won't even be near the street to be able to walk on the street. And then another Pharisee would come and say, well, I'm going to make it so that you can't be in the same state 
or the same county so that you won't be tempted to walk down that street on that day. And they would add to themselves uh, uh, different scenarios to make sure that they would keep themselves from sin. But how many of you know, no matter what you do physically to keep yourself from sin, sin is actually an attitude of the heart. And that's why Jesus, when he was talking about thou shalt not kill, he was saying, listen, it's not about what you do uh, even as much as what you think or, or feel inside your heart. And so the Pharisees were not all bad people, but they had developed inside of themselves an elitist mentality that if I, if I do these things that make me so much better than everybody else, then I should be treated better than everybody else. They set themselves up to be an elite group that was uh, even to the point where most of the people in the Sanhedrin were either Pharisees or, or Sadducees. And these Pharisees, man, they loved being on top. They loved being in charge, and they loved having control over what was going on. These were the kind of people that would pray out in public and not be ashamed to pray. They would be loud, too. You ever heard these people? When I was living in the South, they used to always go to Shoney's. <laughs> How can I explain Shoney's? Shoney's is like Friendly's. It's a good restaurant. Man, they serve fried catfish. And they serve uh, country fried steak. with. I'm going on the food thing again, aren't I? i got to stop that. Okay, but they would go into friendlies and they would go, Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for this food. And then they'd look around to see if anybody was watching. And God bless those heathens at table 12 for not washing their hands. And, and Lord, help those poor people. And that's what Pharisees would do. They would pray out in public. They would, they would try, they would walk in such a way where everybody knew they were a Pharisee and it wasn't hard to find them out. And they weren't, they weren't too proud to let you know that they brought their money into the temple and that they were attending all the time. It was the Pharisees who Jesus would say, you know what, if you're going to fast, wash your face. That's what he say. If you're going to fast, wash your face. Don't look all, all, all pitiful and weak. Uh, be a man. Stand up. Do what's right. Don't, don't let everybody feel sorry for you. Do what you ought to do. This Pharisee uh, in this story has kind of an ego problem. And uh, he has some issues. And on the other side of the coin from the Pharisee is, is the tax collector. You know, I, I, tax collectors just don't get a break, do they? Can, can we just think about this for a minute? All since Exodus, okay? We were studying this the other, the other Wednesday night. Do you know before Pharaoh made them slaves... Do you know that Pharaoh taxed the children of Israel until they had to become slaves to pay off their taxes? Instead of, the, the original word there, instead of taskmasters, that we think about being slave drivers, the first story talks about the tax masters, these people who were over the taxes, and they taxed them into slavery. Uh, tax collectors have not been getting a good break throughout history. Even today, listen, more people ignore phone calls from the IRS than any other group in, in history, except maybe, uh, you know, the uh, AT&T telemarketers. But, you know, here you got these tax collectors, and there, this guy, uh, and we know about tax collectors in Jesus' day. Remember Zacchaeus? Oh, that, oh, oh, oh. Yeah. this guy, it, his problem wasn't being short. His problem was being a thief. 
In fact, the Bible said when salvation came to his house, you know what he was saying? I'm going to pay back double, and I'm going to pay. Well, you know, you can't pay back people double in four times if you ain't got it. How do you think he got it? He got it from taking it from other people. These tax collectors were, were hated. Nobody liked them because they had favor with the government and they had favor with people. They could bribe people. They could put people into slavery. Nobody really liked these tax collectors, and it just wasn't helpful to be recognized as one. And Jesus decides, let's take a story and let's put the, the most uh, cherished man versus the most hated man in the same room together. Just like you could in any church in America any given Sunday. Oh, now we're talking about today, aren't we? Yeah. You never know who's sitting next to you. You never know who, who could be friend or foe. But the point is, all are welcome in the house of God. Now, I find it funny a little bit about this story. Let me just go through it uh, verse by verse. It says, the two men went up to the temple to pray. And the Pharisee said, the Bible said the Pharisee stood... And he prayed thus with himself. Now, isn't that funny? You know, the writer, Luke, must be sitting down and he's listening to the story of Jesus and he's using his imagination because God didn't say you had to turn off your imagination at the door. And he's standing there and here's this Pharisee. He's not surrounded by friends. He's not sitting with his family in church. He's praying with himself. And I wonder to a mo- for a moment... If he was praying by himself and to himself. Because listen, listen to his words. He says, God, I thank thee that I am not like other men. Well, okay. But what, do you, what do you mean by that? You could read a lot into that, you know? You're sitting around listening to that kind of, that kind of saying in today's time. Somebody sitting beside you in church. Lord, I thank you that no one else in this building is like me. Okay. How are you supposed to take that? Well, I know how I take it. I'm glad nobody's like me because I'm horrible. I wouldn't want any of you to be like me. The world can only handle one of me. But he says, listen, he goes, I think that I'm not like these other men, extortioners. Oh, now he's gone with the name calling. I'm glad I'm not like these extortioners. Unjust. Listen, I mean, when he goes from extortioner to unjust, boy, he just took a step down. Think about this for a minute. It's bad enough to be an extortioner. And so, you see what he's doing? He's leveling himself in societies. He's saying, I'm, I, I am, I'm under God, because God, I thank thee, but, but I'm better than the extortioners. And he goes, I'm better than the unjust. And then he says, he says, or the adulterers. Now, I often wondered why he would throw that in there. Because extortioners, unjust, tax collectors, that's, that's, all, that's all things that people notice out in public. But adulterers is something that's normally done in private. I hope it's done in private. You know what I'm saying? Is anybody with me this morning? Why, why this? Because he's saying, he's saying even the people who have secret sins, I'm better than they are. The people that nobody knows about, I must be better than they are. And then he says, or even this tax collector. Now, if you're the poor tax collector and you're sitting there and you're trying, listen, the only reason a tax collector is going to the temple is because he's trying to work it out. 
Most of the time, I don't find sinners showing up to church unless they're searching for God. And the last thing this poor tax collector needed to hear when he walked in the door of temple that morning was that there were all these people better than he was. And that he was the last on the totem pole. He was even worse than adulterers. Now, listen to me. Adulterers in the Bible were killed. Do you remember the woman that brought to, uh, to Jesus who had been caught in the act of adultery? Remember her, her sin? They said, well, the law says we can kill her, right? And Jesus said, well, if you're without sin, cast the first stone. And everybody walked away. But the idea was is that adulterers could be killed. And the tax collector was lower than an adulterer. And think about how bad this poor guy must have felt. And then, to justify himself, the, the, the Pharisee says, the reason I'm so much better is because I fast twice a week and I give tithes of all that I possess. Now listen. Listen. Is fasting wrong? Look at me. No. Is giving wrong? No. Is his prayer, is praying uh, in a, uh, wrong? No. The Bible said, Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount, he said there are three things you are to do as a believer. Uh, Jesus says when you fast, when you give, and when you, when, you, when you pray. There are things you're supposed to do as a believer in Jesus Christ. And, and there are things you're, that you're supposed to follow. But this guy, listen, I believe with all my heart, none of this mattered to this guy. Because I can read from the intent of his words, he wasn't thankful at all. I think the only, re- the only reason he said, God, I thank you, is because that's what he was taught to do. Because, listen, if the attitude of your heart is evil towards, man, to, towards your fellow man, then none of the other stuff you do is going to matter. Do you realize that Jesus said there will be people that stand before him that on the day of judgment that have done great things but will never make it to heaven? Because it's the attitude of the heart. We talked about this in, in, we, in a Sunday night study about how that when God said, listen, sacrificing is done, let's quit. In Isaiah, he said, sacrificing is done, uh, Isaiah chapter 1, let's quit because you know what? If your heart's not going to change, there's no point in killing animals. Listen, if your heart isn't right, there's no point in giving. There's no point in praying. There's, no, and there's definitely no point in missing a meal. Listen, if, I, you, if you're going to miss a meal and your heart's bitter, what's the point? You're just going to wind up with indigestion. You're going to wind up with heart problems, ulcers. Listen, I know people that live their lives doing everything the Bible says to do, but their heart's so far off from God that everybody that looks at them realizes where they're at. Jesus looks and says, you know what? There's a big difference between this guy who claims to be thankful and he's thankful for all the wrong reasons. And then you have this other man, this tax collector. I love it. The Bible puts him in a corner of the temple. That's what stands afar off means. It means when he walked in, he didn't feel comfortable coming up to the front pew. He hid way over the corner. And if you've ever seen pictures of the temple diagrams and things like that, and, and uh, the t- it's a big, pretty big place. And you could be, you could have thousands of people in the temple at one time, so a guy standing afar off could hide real easily. 
kind of like some of these mega churches where you have uh, people who will who will come in and, and they'll be a member of the church for 20 years, but nobody's ever seen them. Because <laughs> if you sit up near the front, you never see people behind you. And, and this guy stood afar off. He's way back in the back. He's so far off. And he, he is not there to, to brag, and he's not there to be seen. The Bible says he does something much different. He says, first of all, he's standing afar off. Second, he doesn't even raise his eyes to heaven. Now, I understand that. Because I've been in parts of times in my life where I knew that if I, if I felt like I looked up and I saw God, I would melt. Times when, when I wasn't living the way I should and times when I knew that I needed forgiveness but I was afraid to even go to God because I was afraid I might get struck dead first. So I grew up in an environment in the South where, I mean, hellfire and damnation preaching was standard, man. We were we would we would get it we would get it twice twice on Sunday and once on Wednesday and if you were drugged to church on Friday night prayer meeting you you'd get shaken too and you know and uh, I remember uh, hearing all these you know uh, if you don't do this you're going to spend eternity in hell and everybody just, which is true but I mean it was just ah, fear 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 and I remember walking in the church one time and thinking. Well, I was praying. I was about eight or nine years old. I'm praying. You just, God's Spirit's moving. I mean, people are just praying and weeping and crying. And I felt God's presence so real as a little kid. But I was afraid to look up because I was afraid if I looked up and saw a holy God and I knew I was unholy, you know, it would be like, you know, I'm melting. <laughs> I could die, man. I could get struck dead. This was a bad thing. This, this tax collector knew he was in the presence of people who lived better than he did. He knew he was in the place, but he wasn't there for them. He was there for God. And with a holy fear and reverence towards God, knowing what he had done, ashamed of who he had been and what he had done, he, he, he doesn't even lift up his eyes. He realizes he's not worthy to even see God. Now, there's a great comparison between these two men. One is boasting his own glory. The other is hiding in fear, begging for God. This is what it says. It says he beat his chest. Now, that phrase is kind of odd in English today because we don't really see people walking around. Well, <laughs> I take that back. I have. My, my, I, I made a bad mistake one time. I let my, my kids watch the movie King Kong. Uh, so they would, and then they would attack each other, and I had to stop, you know, before anybody got hurt. But... But this whole idea of just, it was an agony. This physically needing to, to vent, physically needing to feel like he needed to beat himself. Feeling so unworthy, so inadequate, so unable to get the attention of God. This isn't the first time somebody's done something drastic to try to get the attention of their God. When I was a youth pastor, I used to have to deal with, with teenagers who would cut themselves. And um, one, one little girl came up to me. She was 16 years old. She says, Pastor Torn, she goes, have you ever figured out why we do this? Because she was one herself. I said, honey, the Bible says that on the, on the mount with Elijah, that the prophets of Baal cut themselves trying to get the attention of their God. And I said, so many times... We think we have to do drastic things to get God's attention. 
or anybody's attention. And I said, of all the kids I've ever worked with that were cutters, that all of them were trying to get somebody's attention. And I can see this tax collector as he's sitting there, he's trying to, what do I have to do to get God's attention? Not knowing all I had to do to get God's attention was ask. This is what he prayed. He said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Wow. Be merciful to me, a sinner. He knew who God was. He knew who he was. And he just said, God, I need mercy. I need mercy. Now, Jesus stops the story, and we don't get to know what happens next. We don't hear uh, about a glorious salvation transformation of the tax collector like Zacchaeus. We don't even know if 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 the Pharisee got humbled somehow. What we know is that Jesus says that the man, that this man, talking about the tax collector, went down to his house that day justified rather than the other. Justified. Now that's a weird word to put in there. But it makes perfect sense. Because what happens is, when we humble ourselves before God, God can use that. And as long as we're boastful in front of God's face, the Bible says that those that are prideful will be humbled. Now, I don't know what happened in the temple. Uh, I can imagine uh, a couple scenarios. Most are comical, so I'll spare you the details. I I told my wife, I bet the, the Pharisee's wife threw a shoe at him. I think I'm not this... <laughs> Be quiet. Sit down. I can imagine some priest who loved God hearing the cry of this man's heart going over and praying with him and helping him find a way. But what, what really made me just, just really attached to this story is Here is a man who went home thankful he found mercy. And here's a man who said he was thankful for all the wrong things. Can I tell you, we live in a world full of things we could be thankful for. And there are a lot of things we should be thankful for. And most of all, the church should be thankful for Jesus. Now, when I, when I say that, I, I just want to be very clear about that. And not because a lot of times you'll hear people say, Well, I'm so glad I have Jesus. And I'm better than everybody else. You say, Oh, you've never. I've heard that from a, well, it was a wooden podium, but I, I've heard that. We're, man, we've, we've, we've got Jesus and we've got the Holy Ghost, and that puts us a level above. That's not something to be boastful for. It's, we're thankful we have Jesus. Yes, thank the Lord. He sent the Holy Ghost because the Bible said that He will he lead us into all truth. He will comfort us, give us the power to, to witness. But, but that's not what we should be thankful for. Even Jesus, when He gave power to His disciples to cast out demons and heal the sick, said, can you realize being thankful? You're being, he said, the uh, disciples came back to Jesus and said, wow, this is great. I mean, we look at demons and go, get out. And they go, ah, and they leave. Or we see people are going, I'm dying. And we go, shpoom. And they go, woo. That's wonderful. And Jesus said, 
Yeah, but that's not what you're supposed to be thankful for. We can't, but, but it's like great and better. And, and Jesus said, be thankful that your name is in the Lamb's book of life. That's, that's, that's the thankfulness the church should show. Thankful that we were all, all part of that category that says, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner at one time. See, I've never known a person born perfect. No matter how cute your baby pictures were. Never known a person to be perfect. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all been in that place that that tax collector was in the story. What happens, though, is when God blesses us, instead of us giving the glory to God where it deserves, we tend to start taking the glory for ourselves and getting the attention drawn on ourselves. And it has been the problem that has plagued the American church for many years now. Look at us. Look how much better we are. Look what you could have if you do what we do. And the problem is every single ministry that has done that has fallen. Because we and of ourselves are still, God have mercy on us. At least we should be. We should come to a place in our lives where we realize who we really are. And what God has really done for us. And that we have not arrived here of our own accord. We've arrived here because God has brought us here. And where we go next will be because of His mercy and grace. See, I can't know tomorrow and I can't promise you. (laughs) I shouldn't say that. I can't promise you that Twinkie will be worth more tomorrow than it is today. All I can tell you is, no matter where I go, I know I'm going with Jesus. And if I make it, it's because of Him. And if I don't make it, I'll be with Him. Oh, you didn't get that. See, I went either way. If I wake up tomorrow breathing, I'm walking with Jesus. If I don't wake up tomorrow, I'll still be with Jesus. The things that we should be thankful for are not the things that lift us up, they're things that lift Him up. The things we should be thankful for are the things that exalt Him and give Him praise and glory. Listen, the world knows who we are. The world needs to know who He is. He ends the story by saying, whoever exalts himself will be humbled. That's a harsh statement. Jesus tells a story about a man who went to dinner. (laughs) Remember this one? Great story. Jesus says the man went to dinner, saw that he was the most important man in the room, and set himself at the place of authority in the room. But when the host came in, the host came in with somebody else who was more important than the man who had set himself down at the table. And the host had to look at the man who had set himself down and said, get up, you're in this man's seat. Ooh. (laughs) The Bible said that man had to go sit at the lowest place because that was the only place left to sit. Jesus said, if you go sit at the lowest place in the room, when the host sees you, he'll say, no, 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 no. Don't sit down here. Let me set you up at my table. I feel bad for the church and the people in the church who feel so much better than everybody else because they think they're better than everybody else. Let me tell you something. That fall from exalted place when God puts you down is a hard one. 
I've seen it. I've, I've known minister friends who have, who have had just absolutely successful ministries. They, I've, they've, they've laid hands on people and seen them healed. I mean, God's just moved. They've had TV ministry, radio ministry. They've written books. And yet, it only took one time for the whole thing to collapse. One circumstance, one sin, one, one issue. And don't get me wrong, folks, but listen to me. Pride is just as much of a sin as adultery. Listen to me. Pride is just as much a sin as adultery. It was pride that was Lucifer's sin. And yet Jesus said, but if you humble yourself, the person that humbles himself realizes, listen, you know what? If I've come a long way, it's because of Jesus. It's because his mercy brought me here. I love, I love the song Amazing Grace because it says his grace has brought me safe thus far and his grace will what? Lead me all the way home. It's one of those things where we have to realize that it's so important to remind ourselves that he is the reason we live and move and have our being. And the moment we think we're better than that, we find ourselves falling into a trap the devil himself fell in. Of putting ourselves higher than we should be. Doesn't mean you can't have authority and have a name for yourself and have a place for yourself. But Jesus told this story and said, listen, the man who said he was thankful to God for being better, he wasn't really thankful. He was just boastful. The man who was thankful was the man who went home that day knowing God had done something real and true in his life. Because we only see that word justified a couple more times in the New Testament. Did you know that? We only see that word justified a couple more times, and every time that word justified is brought up, it's about what Jesus did on the cross. It's about what he did to our lives to change us and to make us somebody new and different on the inside. So when my Bible reads that the man went home justified, you know what? I believe he had an encounter. See, I kind of think Jesus probably, he may have told this story, but I think he may have actually lived this story. There may have been a time when Jesus went into temple to teach, heard this man boasting over in the corner, and yet somehow Jesus, doing exactly what Jesus was good at, saw that man standing afar off. Saw that man standing over the corner, knowing that he came because he was desperate, beating himself. Help me. Have mercy, oh God. I can just see Jesus walking over to him and giving him mercy. How wonderful. Now, that was a man who went home thankful. And every time I think about what Jesus has done for me, I'm thankful. And I think we all should be. Listen, Thursday is a very important day. Not because it's Thanksgiving. But because it's an opportunity to let the world know how thankful we are for Jesus Christ. See, I've I've noticed something, and I'll close with this. I've noticed something. On Facebook, there's been a trend lately. I think it's kind of neat. 
All through the month of November on Facebook, you see many people posting every day something they're thankful for. Just thankful for this, thankful for that. And if you've been on, you, you know what I'm talking about. You've seen this. Oh, can I tell you that Thursday is a wonderful opportunity to once again give Jesus Christ thanks. Publicly, thanking Him for the mercy He showed us. Thanking Him for His sacrifice on the cross. Being thankful not because one day heaven will be our, I mean, we're thankful heaven's our home, but we're thankful it's because of Him. He made the way. Not anything you and I could do to get to heaven except ask Him for forgiveness. I'm telling you what, I think Thursday's an excellent opportunity for us to once again truly be thankful and let the world know it's because of Jesus. Let's not say we're thankful and not be thankful. Let's really be thankful this season. Amen? Thank you for watching today's service, but you really should visit in person. Service times are at 10 a.m. Sunday morning, 6 p.m. on Sunday evening, and Wednesday night Bible study begins at 7 p.m. We're located at 582 Rockingham Road. It's on Route 5 just north of Bellows Falls. For more information, you can visit our website at www.faithchristianag.com. God bless you and have a great day.